This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Our next segment, we're going to be talking to Heather McDonald. There is no better friend outside of law enforcement than Heather McDonald. I've said that before, and I truly mean it. Joined on the line by Heather McDonald. Heather, how are you? Great, Sheriff Clark. It's always such an honor to speak with you. Likewise, and I gave you a introduction in the opening uh, so they kind of know your background your latest book the war on cops that is a must read for all law enforcement officers people outside of law enforcement who want the research who want the data and the statistics to fight back in this war on police now you authored an article that appeared in the wall street journal over the weekend and you indicate that uh, trump can end the war on cops and in it you state that donald trump's promise to restore law and order to america's cities was one of the most powerful themes of his presidential campaign His capacity to deliver will depend on changing destructive presidential rhetoric about law enforcement and replacing the federal policies that flowed from that rhetoric. How does President-elect Donald Trump go about doing that? Well, I would love to hear him or or his uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions give a speech just laying out the facts for the American public uh, that policing today is data-driven, There's no government agency more committed to the proposition that black lives matter than the police and that there is simply no evidence that policing is shot through with uh, racial bias or that we're living through an epidemic of racially biased shootings of police officers. And, And he should promise to, you know, investigate misconduct when it legitimately when there's legitimate evidence that it's occurred and of course officers have to be held to the highest standards of courtesy respect and lawful behavior but the public has to stop fighting officers they have to stop resisting arrest they have to cooperate with criminal investigations as you know sheriff clark a detective will tell you he could solve every single murder in the inner city if he got the witnesses to cooperate. Sure. And instead, because of the no-snitching ethic, 
nobody's talking. And, and that's, the, that's the reality that cops are facing today. There's no doubt about it. It's part of the cultural dysfunction that I've talked about that exists. And it's not all black people. I'm not even intimating that. You aren't either. But there is some cultural dysfunction that goes on, like you mentioned, the no snitching, a lack of respect for authority, lack of respect for the police. Now, you mentioned Jeff Sessions. He's the president-elect Donald Trump's nominee to be the next attorney general uh, of the United States. And I indicated when uh, Donald Trump ran for president, I said one of the things that he can do, because as you know and you point out, you know, local policing is a local issue, but the feds can play a role in helping us. But you mentioned Jeff Sessions, and I said one of the things the president-elect can do is appoint an attorney general who understands policing, who is a supporter of the police, a supporter, strict supporter of the rule of law. How do you think Jeff Sessions can help and will help? Sessions is a remarkable appointment. It could not have been better. Amen. And and as you know, uh, Sheriff Clark, you have been one of the most fearless exponents of the immigration rule of law. And for people who believe that immigration should be a function of the American people deciding what their laws should be, not a function of people outside the country deciding whether they want to enter illegally, Sessions uh, could not be a better pick because he has been the voice within the Senate for uh, immigration enforcement and the rule of law. But on the policing matter, he's also stood up against the phony narrative that mass, so-called mass incarceration is another uh, idea of where racism is, is dominant. and One of the myths. He's pushed back against this myth that the reason that there is a disproportionate representation of blacks in prison is because of criminal justice racism. The reality is, sadly, criminologists have tried decades to find this evidence of criminal justice system racism. They always come up short and against their most fervent desires are forced to conclude that it's crime that is resulting in disproportionate representation of blacks in prison. And Sessions will, I think, try to put a break on this effort to de-incarcerate and decriminalize that is contributing to the crime increase that this country has experienced over the last two years. Now, one of the things that you point out, you've done extensive research on, is this theory that you offer about the Ferguson effect, where police have cut way back on pedestrian stops, public order uh, enforcement, I call it quality of life enforcement, uh, assertive policing, discretionary policing, that they've cut back in minority neighborhoods because of this war on cops, and now this fear to to actually go out and, like I said, assertively police for fear of being uh, caught up in some... Uh, United States Department of Justice uh, uh, dragnet, if you will, and called racist. What effect has the Ferguson effect had on a quality of life for black people living in these high-crime neighborhoods? It means that their voices are being ignored. You know, I don't blame the cops for backing off, because if they're told by the most powerful segment of society, which is the media, the political class, the academics, that they're racist for enforcing quality of life laws, uh, and and when they encounter 
uh, this virulent hatred in the streets now. They're human, and they're going to back off. But there's another segment in the black community that is not represented on CNN or MSNBC. And these are the people that I hear every time I go to a police community meeting in places like Harlem or central Brooklyn. These are the good, law-abiding, bourgeois citizens who beg the police to restore order, to clear the corners of the youth who are hanging out, fighting, smoking weed, to get the drug dealers off the streets, to get rid of the illegal vendors, to get the kids out of their lobby. And the irony that the cops face in today's racially charged world is that they cannot respond to those heartfelt requests for public order without generating the racially disproportionate stop and arrest data that the Justice Department under a President Obama or an ACLU can use against them in the next racial profiling lawsuit. You know, one of the things that I admire about you, Heather, is unlike many academics who sit up there and offer these theories and they they write these reports from these ivory towers, they're not at street level. They don't talk to street cops on the front lines. They don't talk to um, uh, everyday citizens that that have to live with this crime and violence. And you have done that. You go down to street level. And most of these people would be too afraid to do that sort of thing. Uh, I want to thank you for the work that you continue to do on behalf of not just the police, but on behalf of every law-abiding citizen in America who appreciates the rule of law and what it does to maintain some standard uh, that we all want to live under uh, inside these neighborhoods. Again, Heather McDonald's book, The War on Cops, a must-read. And Heather, thanks for joining me, and Merry Christmas. Well, Sheriff, thank you so much. And I'd like to tell your listeners to pre-order your book, Cop Under Fire. I'm sure it's available on Amazon. And if not, uh, they should just sign up as quickly as possible because it's a fantastic, uh, elevating peon to American greatness. Well, Heather, thanks for that endorsement. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk immigration. And that is going to be, like I said, in the first hundred days, one of the things that this Congress, this new Congress, is going to have to deal with, uh, keeping in mind that the Constitution says the Congress has the enforcement and, and the, um, uh, is empowered to create uh, immigration laws. The Congress, not the President of the United States. President of the United States, or President-elect, I should say, Donald Trump has made it very clear uh, that he wants something done. Uh, to finally fix this issue of immigration. But uh, we'll talk about that again. The number is 888-727-2325. It's 888-727-BECK. You'll want to get in on that conversation. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. In for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. I'm your host for today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. This is the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Thanks for joining us. Again, you can follow me during the week on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, and that's C-L-A-R-K-E. Don't forget the E. And also at the People's Sheriff at Pathios.com. That's my blog. And also don't forget Cop Under Fire, my book coming out in March of 2017. You can pre-order that now on Amazon and I've been told you can order that at Barnes & Noble as well. Call the number 888-727-BECK, 888-727-2325. We're going to talk about immigration. This is going to be one of the priorities of the Trump administration. He campaigned on it on his thank you tour, victory tour across the United States and some of the the, uh, states that he won that he was not expected to win. He talked about it again. He's going to build a wall, folks. We can talk some other day about who's going to pay for it and all that other stuff, that, that, that you know, the trimming on it. He's going to build a wall. It has to happen because any talk of immigration reform, any talk of immigration reform has to start with sealing the border. It has to. If you don't seal our poorest southern border, mainly the southern one, it's not going to matter because you can deport all the people you want, even the criminal illegal aliens, of which there are about 820,000 estimated. You can deport them all you want. They're coming right back. And some other aspects of immigration. See, the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is we don't enforce the laws in the book. When we talk comprehensive, I don't know what that means anyway, comprehensive immigration reform. But when we talk about immigration reform, we have immigration laws on the books that we will not enforce. So part of it is getting back to enforcing the laws as they are written. And if Congress, under their constitutional authority, thinks that we need to reform some of those, well, God bless them. Well, they can make all the laws they want. If the laws are not enforced by the United States Department of Justice, by the White House, you know how President Obama has obliterated our immigration laws, then it's not going to matter what kind of new immigration reform that they come up with. So we have to lock down the border. This is a national security issue. If you're going to be a sovereign nation, which the United States is, then you have to have borders and you have to enforce those borders. But there's no, there's been no will. And you know what? This, this stuff transcends different 
administrations. Republican presidents haven't had the will. Democrat presidents haven't had the will. Democrat-controlled Congresses haven't had the will. Republican-controlled Congresses haven't had the will. They've always turned it into a political issue. How can they use this for political leverage? How can we turn this into votes? Instead of just enforcing the law. So there's this estimate that we have anywhere between, I don't know, 11, 13, 14, 15, 17 million people living illegally in the United States. What do we do with those? I don't have the answer for that. But I know this much. As I indicated, there are about 820,000 criminal illegals who have not been deported. We need to start there because that can happen immediately. What Congress wants to do with the anywhere from 11 to 17 million illegal aliens in the United States, I'm going to leave to Congress. The political issue. But let's get rid of the criminals. And here's another thing, folks. I'm tired of the games being played with criminal illegal aliens where courts and others are saying, well, you know, it has to be for a serious felony. And then other courts have thrown attempts to deport out because, well, that's not really a serious felony, like burglary. Yes, it is. It's a very serious felony because if you break into my house and I'm home, You're an intruder, and I feel fear for my life for that in my family. I'm, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot you. That's how serious this is. So what? What they're basically saying is, well, you can't use a deadly force, sheriff, if someone breaks into your home because that's not a serious felony. Yes, it is. I'm going to make sure it's clear to the perpetrator. It is very serious. I don't think it's unreasonable. I do not think it's unreasonable if you are in somebody else's country that you should adhere to all of their laws. You are a guest. And if you're in the country illegally, somebody's country, you're a trespasser. You should be able to be deported for disorderly conduct, for drunk driving. We've had courts throw out attempts to deport a criminal or an illegal alien who's been arrested for drunk driving. He said it's not serious. That is, yes, it is. So we got to get rid of this notion of, of trying to parse things here and, you know, pick nits. Well, that's not, no, you will obey all of our laws, civil and criminal. I don't think that's asking that much. It would happen to you or I if we were in somebody else's country. If you went to Mexico, they wouldn't look at you. If you were arrested for drunk driving, well, it's not really serious. Oh, they would look at it differently. One of the other reasons we have to lock down the border to prevent and control the spread of infectious diseases. Remember the flu epidemic a couple years ago? Do you remember some of the other epidemics that hit the United States where there was a fear about it just a couple years ago? Ebola, remember that? That's why, that's another reason why you have to control your borders to spread and prevent infectious diseases from becoming an epidemic in your country. So it's a national security issue. There's health issues. And like I said, 
If you're going to be a sovereign nation, you have to have borders. And you have to be willing to enforce those borders. Now, coming up on the other side of this break, because there's many facets to immigration reform, and I want to hear from you, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-2325. But one of the other important issues surrounding immigration is what do we do with these sanctuary cities? These cities that are providing safe haven for not just people in the country illegally, but for criminal aliens as well. There are laws on the books that don't allow the local level to do this. But again, we have not demonstrated that we have the will to enforce our immigration laws. That's why we're up to now, you know, 17 million people in the country illegally. And it will get worse as time goes by. So coming up on the other side, we're going to continue this conversation. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. And for Glenn Beck, this is the Glenn Beck Radio Program. The Glenn Beck Program. program i'm your host for today milwaukee county sheriff david clark and i'll give you advance notice or maybe warnings in some case uh, but with you tomorrow as well this is the glenn beck program before we get back into this immigration issue and again the number is 888-727-BECK that's 888-727-2325 let's go to the phones uh chris from florida you've been waiting for uh, some time chris welcome to the glenn beck radio program thank you sheriff good morning to you Good morning to you, sir. I'd like to um, first just say, as you know, I, I, have, I am a deputy down here in South Florida, and I'm, I'm part of all law officers, men, women, white, black, Hispanic. Just thank you for how strong you've gone to bat for us to, you know, tell the public to at least have the facts come out before we're hung, judged, fired, you know, and, every, you know, have all the facts come out in all the cases. Because if you've seen and said before on TV, a lot of us have come back innocent on cases. And their lives and careers are ruined even because they did what they had to do. And, you know, and I still back, like you say, if an officer does cross the line and do wrong, well, then he needs to, he or she does need to be, face the consequences. But we just can't be judged right away. And I want to just thank you very much for everything you've done on that. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for the call. You know, uh, that's a good segue into continuing this immigration issue. I want to thank uh, Chris and everybody who puts on that uniform and goes out to protect and serve their community, puts their life on the line, put their puts themselves in harm's way. These people have families, their spouses, and uh, what they do for this country is incredible. It's been an honor, Chris, and it's been an honor to every law enforcement officer out there to be able to defend your character, your courage, your commitment, your sacrifice as you go about 
protecting and serving your community. Now, here's why this is a segue with local law enforcement. One of the things that I have thrown out there in terms of immigration reform is we need a mechanism with which to deputize all local law enforcement officers to have immigration enforcement authority. Currently, they do not. Um, This is going to be a big issue because the local law enforcement officer comes across these individuals on a daily basis. Let's be frank, ladies and gentlemen. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, they don't have the bodies. They're not in these neighborhoods. They're not doing traffic stops. They're not investigating crimes where they're coming across these individuals. And the local law enforcement officer does not have the authority currently to detain these people for potential uh, for potentially being in the country illegally. They can notify ICE. We can notify them, but we can't hold them unless ICE puts a detainer on. So here's how this works. If I go out and make a traffic stop, I'm investigating a traffic violation. I am not investigating whether this person's in the country illegally or not. And all of a sudden you come across an individual with no driver's license. You come across an individual who has no identification. And he or she can't even speak the English language, at least not fluently. It doesn't mean necessarily they're in the country illegally, but that is called a red flag. So what we would do in that instance, what I would do, let me talk about what I would do. Don't forget, I've been doing this, I'm in my 39th year. I never tell people I've seen it all, because every time I start to believe that I have, I see something that I haven't seen before. But I will say this about my 39 years and serving my community, and wearing my community's uniform. I've seen a lot. So what we would do in that situation is you'd call a bilingual officer, someone who speaks Spanish, and come over and interpret. And you just start asking a few questions. Where do you work? Where do you live? You try to find known associates, so on. And you're just asking some probing questions. You aren't doing any immigration enforcement, but you're allowed to ask those questions to the law enforcement officer because don't forget, you're going to write a citation and the person has no identification. How do you know who this person is? So what we would do is make some determination. You may haul them in on a summary arrest because they don't have ID. So you take them in for fingerprints so you can identify them, so you can write the citation. We are not enforcing immigration. Up to this point. Now, what we can do is notify Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and we can say, we got an individual here who we suspect may be in the country illegally. We don't have, we still don't have the authority to detain him. Now, ICE gets to make that determination. They'll ask a few questions. They'll do some initial digging, and they'll say, we're going to put a detainer on that individual. Now, the local jail has the authority to detain this person under that lawful detainer. Now, they don't have to. Because the feds can't force the locals, the local law enforcement, local communities to enforce immigration. But I do in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been a part of a couple of those initiatives. Secure communities. We cooperate with ICE. We don't enforce immigration. We don't have the authority. But I'll, I'll, I'll detain. They don't do it in California. That's why Kate Steinle's dead. You remember that case, the one that catapulted the immigration issue for Donald Trump? 
That guy had been deported five or six times back in the country, in and out of jail. The sheriff of, of, of the Sac- San Francisco area wouldn't honor the detainers. So these guys go back on the street to commit crimes, to commit more crimes. So under secure communities, I would hold, I still hold them today. If, if ICE puts on a detainer, I hold that. And yeah, I, I, I get blasted politically in Milwaukee County. I don't care about that. I care about law-abiding citizens. I care about doing my job, which is what? To enforce the law. So I cooperate with ICE. But I think it would go a long way if we would give deputize, and ICE would have to do that, the federal government, deputize local law enforcement so we can start asking these questions, looking at whether this person's in the country illegally or not. Currently, we can't do that. I think it would go a long way. So... You know, there's many facets, but the Sanctuary City deal is totally out of hand. San Francisco's one. There's many cities, all run by Democrats, liberal Democrats. What I mean by that, they're mayors, they're city councils, who make it clear, we're going to provide a safe harbor, a safe haven for people in the country illegally. But guess what? There's a federal law that says you can't do that. And I've talked about it. It's under 8 U.S.C. 1324, which in part contains criminal sanctions for any person who knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that an alien has come to or entered or remains in the United States in violation of law, attempts to conceal, harbor, or shields from detection such alien in any place, including any building or in subsection Four, encourages or induces an alien to come, enter, or reside in the United States. That's what sanctuary cities are doing. They're saying, come here, we'll provide you safe haven. Safe haven. Knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such coming to or entry or residence is or will be in violation of the law, engages in any conspiracy to commit any of the preceding acts, shall be fined and imprisoned. For up to five or ten years. Five to ten years. These sanctuary cities, these mayors, these city councils who are proclaiming we're a sanctuary city, they're in violation of 8 U.S.C. 1324. But folks, remember. Remember what I said. We don't have the will. We don't have the will to... This law is already on the books. Congress doesn't even have to act on this. But where's the will? What about the rule of law? I'll tell you right now. This happens on college campuses. There's some university recently where the president said, we're not going to enforce immigration in terms of uh, of uh, illegal aliens coming onto our campuses and enrolling in our schools. They're in violation of 8 U.S.C. 1324. I'll tell you right now. The first university president, the first mayor, the first city council president that is prosecuted under 8 U.S.C. 1324, I'm telling you right now, within a year, these sanctuary cities would shut down. It would serve as a deterrent. But they thumb their nose because they know there's no will on the part of the federal government, the United States Department of Justice, the Attorney General of the United States. They know 
There's no will to enforce this. See, this to me is the biggest aspect of any kind of immigration reform. You can come up, as I said, with all of the reform you want if you don't have the will to enforce it. Enforce the border. Deport criminal illegal aliens and other persons that we learn are in the country illegally. I'm not talking about roundups. You can't round up 17 million people. But you can put things in place to discourage this. We have to have zero tolerance, zero tolerance at the federal level to enter into the United States illegally and set up residence. Zero tolerance. And when we do this, people will stop coming over. They'll stop crossing the borders. You don't have to round up and deport 17 million people. And when you force employers, here's another aspect. When you force employers under E-Verify, right now E-Verify is voluntary. So the federal government sets up this program where employers can run these names through to see if the person is in the country legally before they employ them. But it's a voluntary system. You have to have it mandatory. How do you mandatory? Well, when you find some business that in large numbers, I'm not talking about one person that slipped through the net. In large numbers, are employing illegal aliens knowingly, and they haven't checked with E-Verify, you hammer them. There are sanctions for that. Once again, we come back to this. We have plenty of laws on the books to fix this immigration issue, but we don't have the will. So another thing that I would recommend is to make the E-Verify system mandatory. And like I said, well, how do you mandatory that an employer is going to do it. Well, when you find out that they've employed somebody who's in the country legally, massive fines. Massive fines. You don't have to arrest anybody. Massive fines for that company or corporation. This stuff would stop yesterday. When the federal government sends the signal that we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to allow you to do it anymore. Because we are a sovereign nation. Like I said, this is a national security issue. This is a domestic security issue. This is a public health issue. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Sheriff David Clark, we're talking immigration, something that the Congress, the new Congress, is going to have to take up and uh, many facets that are involved and what it might look like. Let's go right to the phones. Mike from Missouri, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Mike, are you there? Yeah, good morning, sir. Thanks for having me. 
My pleasure. I, yeah, I just wanted to uh, mention that you kind of touched on it a little bit because you keep talking about, you know, the will to enforce the law. And, and I think the main thing it comes down to is accountability. And uh, it's something that's not mentioned enough because there is no accountability. But I think Trump's already demonstrated that he believes in a, a top-down leadership, uh, you know, with an open door. And, and I don't think he can go straight to the cities themselves. But, you know, there's nothing to say that he can't lean on the governor, which leans on the county seat, which, uh, you know, maybe pulls in the senator from that district and uh, goes to these cities and be like, you know, this is what the deal is. And, you know, we're going to bring in, I don't know, the um, the rule of law that you were uh, discussing. I don't know if it would be like a U.S. marshal that would enforce it or if the FBI would come in and enforce it. But like you said, as soon as we get, you know, one person uh, arrested and prosecuted for, uh, harboring an illegal, I think things will change. But there's no will because there's no accountability. No one comes to these local sheriffs and, or these local city mayors and says, hey, uh, this is what you have to do or you're going to have consequences. And no one holds anyone accountable anymore. And I think that's uh, those, where the lack of will came from. Without a doubt. Mike, thanks for the call. Without a doubt, there's no will to enforce the law. But here's how you deal with sanctuary uh, sanctuary cities. Defund them. There is a mechanism. We might get into that coming up uh, after the next break. We're going to continue this 888-727-BECK. Defunding sanctuary cities. There's a mechanism in place. Again, like I said, and Mike touched on it, we have what we need. There's no will to enforce it. I mean, like I said, there's national security issues, domestic security issues. You have public health implications uh, involved in this sort of thing. They have to get their arms around this now. Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Stay with us.